0: Hey, this is Pastor Bob Steven, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. All right, let me ask you this to start. When was the last time? That you were desperate for something. I'm talking a you got to have it something. A you cannot live without it something. I'm not talking about wanting to go to Whataburger at 11 o'clock last night. Okay. Uh, it can feel desperate, can it? In fact, I did that the other night after worship night. I did that. And, and I'm not talking about that outfit that you just feel like you desperately need to have. No not the desperation I'm talking about. I'm talking about that time when you were at the end of your rope, you had no hope and you needed something to change that kind of desperation. When you just didn't know what else to do. I think it would be fair to say that most of us tend to define desperation as a last resort instead of a first response. Think about that. I think most, mostly the, the world's definition and kind of, I think we can tend to fall into this. We think of desperation as, oh, this is the last gasp. I've run out of other options. Now I'm going to get desperate, right? We've tried everything else and it's not working. We reach this point, desperation. I wonder... Come to ask you this question today. How do you view Jesus and his place in your life? Do you view Jesus as a last resort? Are you desperate for him? Are you desperate for him? Or do you just look at him as a last resort? You tried everything else, and then when it doesn't work, oh, Jesus, come on. Now I need you. Now I need you. Or maybe you think of Jesus as a person who's always available, but you're not really looking real hard to find him. He's kind of thinking, oh, yeah, he's always there when I need him, but you're not really looking very hard to find him. And then even if we believe in him, I wonder if we get content with just being okay with just having a place in heaven. Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. I want to have a place in heaven. I hope you do too. But we can develop a mentality that says, well, I'm good. I'm good. Well, at least that's what you tell yourself. Right? I'm good. I accepted Jesus a long time. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. What if we actually made a decision to be desperate for Jesus? What if you made a decision to actually... Be desperate for God. What would that look like? What if you were seeking Jesus more than just as a last resort, but you were desperate for all that he had, and I mean all that he had to bring to your life? What if you lived that way? Turn with me to the book of Mark, second chapter. This is what it says starting in verse 2. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching, he's talking about Jesus, he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made the opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said this to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Before I go any further in the story, it says later in that passage of Scripture that there were some people called scribes that were... I I want to paint the picture a little bit more. Back then, this was the place that says they were meeting. It was like a house, and there were some big rooms. Back then, based on archaeological evidence, from what I researched, you could fit about 50 people in those houses back then. So just when they say a crowd, just, just envision, there was at least 50 people in and around the house, and it says they couldn't even get in the door, right? So just, just paint the picture in your mind about what's going on here. But among the audience that day were some people called scribes. Scribes are people who knew the law, okay? They knew what the law said. And Jesus knew that they knew that. And what happened is, when Jesus made that statement, your sins are forgiven, here's what the scribes knew. Wait a minute. The law says that only God can forgive sins. That's what it says in the scripture. The scribes started questioning. What do you, who is this guy? What do you mean... You can forgive sins. Well, Jesus sensed their question. And so this is what Jesus said to them, starting in verse 8. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, On earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Wow. So this story found in the second book, Second chapter of the New Testament in the second book paints the picture of a pretty desperate man, doesn't it? Not only that, but he had four desperate friends with him. It's another reason why we don't lose life alone. <laughs> imagine if, not I'm even my notes, imagine if those four men weren't there to carry him. Sometimes we need our friends to help carry us, sometimes there's friends that need you to help carry them. Remember that. We're not meant to live this life alone. But I want to go back to the, the dictionary definition of desperation. If you were to look it up in the dictionary, it's going to be very similar to what I described in the beginning as the worldly definition, meaning that you're all out of options, and so you're going to now engage in something based on that. Literally, I've run out of options. I guess I'm going to try this. But I'd like to give you a different definition of desperation today. It's spiritual desperation. Spiritual desperation is the intense longing for the presence and the power of the living God. Let me say that again. Spiritual desperation is the intense longing for the presence and the power of the living God. You see, when this man on the mat was brought that day, That's what he needed. He needed the presence and the power of God. And he believed that he was going to receive that. He didn't know exactly. We're going to talk about this in a minute. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but he knew this. Jesus was the only one that he could get it from. He knew Jesus was the only one he could get it from. You see, because it's God's power and presence that moves mountains and brings miracles. It's God's power and presence that brings hope and healing and restoration. Come on. That's, you can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that anywhere else. Let me ask you this. Aren't those things to be desperate for? Are you desperate for those things in your life? Come on. You need to be desperate For those things in your life. Not just a last resort. Not just Jesus on the shelf. I'll pull you out when I need you. Come on, man. If we look at this story. There's some powerful examples about what desperation looks like. And what desperation can do. Here's the first one. Desperation leads us to life. Let me say that desperation leads us to life. First of all, the fact that this guy allowed himself to be lowered through a roof, let's just put yourself in his position. He had to be pretty desperate. Okay. I mean, here's, here's four people. Yeah. You know, I don't know. What was the ceiling height? Eight feet, 10 feet, whatever they were back then. And, and he's, he's trusting someone to lower him. Come on, man. He was desperate. This guy was Desperate. But here's the thing. The central theme of this story is not the actual physical healing of this man. That's actually not the most important thing going on here. The real message, the real meaning in this entire story is the first thing that Jesus said to the man. Son, your sins are forgiven. That is the meaning of this story. You see, at that very moment, at that very moment when Jesus said that, this man went from death to life. Right then and there, he went from death to life. Forget about the mat for a minute. Forget about the physical paralysis. Just forget about that for a minute. The most important thing that happened to the man that day was new life in Christ. That is, the, his sins were forgiven. My friends, no matter what else you and I might be desperate for, there's not a thing we should be more desperate for than the new life that Jesus Christ has to give us. Come on, we can clap for that. Look, I know you got bills. I know you got situations. Hey, I know you're probably desperate from the worldly perspective, maybe in some areas of your life. I hear you. I'm I'm desperate for some things. But don't ever forget the thing we ought to be most desperate for is Jesus himself. Come on, Jesus himself. Ephesians 2, 5 reminds us that we are dead in our sins, friends, that we are dead in our sins. And it's only Christ that can raise us to new life. You are not good enough I cannot do enough good things. I cannot be the nicest person in the world. That's not going to get it done. You can't save yourself. Only Christ can save you. He is the only one that can bring new life to your life. I want you to do something for me right now. Just close your eyes. And I want you to take a deep breath. And then I want you to hold your breath for as long as you can. We'll go no more than 30 seconds, but one, two, three. If you haven't started right now, hold your breath. Hmm. Only about five seconds in. How you feeling right now? You don't have to answer that because I know you're holding your breath. But what's going on in your lungs? What's going on in your, your brain and your mind right now? I mean people are still holding their breath right now. Yeah. All right. Stop. How you feeling? At some point did you get desperate for air? Was air the only thing you could think about? The next breath you were going to take? At some point At some point, because guess what? If you didn't breathe again, you were going to die flat out. While you were holding your breath, was there anything else you were thinking about other than your next breath? Probably not. Because that was you. Now you're overriding thing that was going. You were desperate for air. Do you feel that way about Jesus? Are you desperate? Do you understand that you cannot have life? Do you believe that? That you really cannot have life without his breath? Come on. My friends, that's what desperation feels like. What you just experienced, that's what desperation looks like. Mmm, man. Make a desperate decision to let Jesus bring you new life. To let Jesus bring you new life. I'll tell you something else that desperation does that we see in this story. Desperation overcomes obstacles. Desperation overcomes obstacles, doesn't it? The paralytic and his friends, look at what they had to get through. They had to get through the crowd. Then they had to make their way up onto a roof, right? Right? When was the last time that you overcame something to get to something else? do you think about that for a minute? A few years ago, Pastor Karen and I were going to go on vacation to Mexico. And the night before we were going to leave, she hands me her passport to pack. And I just happened to look down at the passport, and sure enough, it was expired. Whoops! Would you say that was maybe an obstacle? (laughs) So here's what we did, man. We moved heaven under. We started getting on the phone with the passport office. And, hey, can you do a rush? How's it going to work? And you know what? We found out there's no, even if they rushed it, there was no way we were going to get that passport before our flight was going to leave. So what we did instead was we... Rebooked a new vacation real quick to a place that didn't require a passport. But you know what we didn't do? We didn't cancel our vacation. (laughs) We didn't cancel our vacation. Why? Because that was important to us. We were going to move heaven and earth to make sure that we got on this vacation. We were going to overcome every obstacle. It didn't matter how hard. It didn't matter how long it took. We just didn't say, well, no passport. I guess we're just going to chuck the vacation and not go. That's not what we did. What if that man had showed up that day and looked at the crowds? Ah, too many people. I I can wait. I don't really need Jesus that much. (laughs) That's not what he did, though, is it? That's not what he did. Man, come on, man. You see, that man, that crippled man and his friends were so intently seeking Jesus. They weren't going to let anything get in their way. Nothing. They were going to let nothing get in their way because it was important to them. They knew Jesus was the only one who could give them what they needed. There wasn't anybody else. And they were not going to let obstacles get in the way of that. It was that important to them. What obstacles are you willing to overcome in your life for Jesus? Here's the thing about obstacles. For most of us, if I'm being real honest, they sound like excuses. Ah, I'm too tired. I don't have enough money to give to God. I'm too weak. I'm not good enough. There's too much traffic today. Uh, I've got to do this or that. Most of our obstacles, if we're honest, are just excuses that we put up as obstacles. Anybody in the house? Uh, It got kind of quiet there. I, I, I hear you. But come on. My friends, don't let obstacles get in your way of getting to Jesus. Don't come on. Don't let obstacles get in your way of getting to Jesus because they're going to be there. Our enemy loves to throw up obstacles at us. That's one of his favorite weapons is to put something. Oh, okay. Hear me now. The enemy is a counterfeiter. He takes something. He kind of makes it look like it might be a grain of truth there. It might be a little right. No, he's a counterfeiter. And he's going to put these obstacles up in front of us. As a way to throw us off, as a way to derail us, as a way to detour us. Don't let them do it. Stay focused in. Don't let the obstacles in your life keep you from Christ. Keep you from all that God has for you. I want to share one last thing that we see. Pastors always say, I'm just one last thing. No, I promise. This this is this isn't one last thing. Desperation changes. Our comfort zone. I say that. Desperation will help you and make you change your comfort zone. Let's see what happened in this story. I highly doubt when those guys rolled up on the house that day that they were planning to drop a dude through a roof. Come on. I mean, do you really think that was in their mind? Oh, I think today we'll just show up and we'll just drop a dude through, through the roof. No. They got out of their comfort zone real quick. Not only that, but I want you to think about this. When they got up to the roof, I'm going to also bet they weren't licensed roofers. They didn't know what the heck, how to cut a hole in a roof. They didn't know how to do that. In fact, if you look, most of the roofs back then were made of branches and twigs. That was most. However, one version of the scripture says that they actually, removed tiles on the roof. So, at least according to one translation, this was not just an ordinary roof they had to get through, right? I mean, this was like the architectural roof, right? It wasn't just your composition stuff. I mean, this was like they had to do some things that they weren't comfortable doing probably, right? Come on, they had to get out of their comfort zone. But they did it anyway. They did it anyway. They didn't... Not to mention, hold on. Not to mention, what were they thinking that Jesus might be thinking? Because notice what it says. It says Jesus was preaching the word. So Jesus was like, just imagine Jesus just preaching the word, preaching the word. And these guys were like, we're going to interrupt him preaching the word? We're going to drop this dude down from a roof? Interrupt Jesus? Come, come on, man. I mean... You had to get out of your comfort zone to interrupt Jesus in the middle of a sermon. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. You know, I just had had a thought as I was preparing this. Just envision, and just a little, little side topic, but just envision. It says Jesus was preaching the word. Can you imagine if you were in the house that day? Here's Jesus literally laying out the word and you're right there to see it. But my friends, let me remind you something. Every time you open this, Jesus is preaching the word. Uh, yeah, come on. We, we don't always think about that. So, oh, it's just some words on a paper. It's just, you know, no, this is power. This is power. Every time you open up your Bible, every time you read the word, the word is preaching to you. Do you, do you get that? Get that makes reading your Bible a little more interesting. If you picture literally Jesus saying these words to you through the power of the Holy spirit, that's exactly what he does. You just have to be ready to receive it, right? Can you not perceive It's what the word says. Jesus is talking to you in this book. Come on, man. Let me ask you this. What are you willing to do to get out of your comfort zone, to be desperate for Jesus? Are you willing to risk your reputation? Are you willing to tell others about him? Are you willing to serve him in ways that might make you feel uncomfortable? (laughs) There's a lot of things I've done in my life for Jesus that I have not been comfortable doing. Trust me. But you know what? Those are the ones that I've grown the most from. Those are the ones that have affected my heart the most. Because why? I put my trust in him and not in me. If you're going to get out of your comfort zone, you've got to put your trust in Jesus. And not in your own abilities. Not in your own way of thinking. Man. Man. What roofs are you willing to rip off? What roofs are you willing to rip off to get to Jesus? What roofs are you willing to rip off to get others to Jesus? You see, there's two parts to this story. It's not just the man on the mat. Notice what it said in the scripture. Jesus recognized their faith. It doesn't say just the man's faith. It says their faith, meaning it wasn't just the man, but Jesus recognized the friend's faith too. Sometimes you're going to need friends to help lift you up. Sometimes you're going to need to help others lift you up and you're going to need to lift others up, man. Come on, man. This story is so powerful. And and again, so many people focus on the the healing aspect but That's not the biggest, that's not the most important part of this story. It's new life. It's community. It's man. There's just so many things. You know, there was a man named David in the Old Testament who truly was desperate for God. This is what he wrote in Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and a weary land, Dave was in the middle of a desert, by the way, when he was writing this, where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my... Oh, (sighs) this and the next words. In the watch of the night. How many of you called out to God in the middle of the night in desperation besides me? (laughs) Wow. Come on, man. Wow. Wow. So when I remember you and I'm upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. God, Jesus, thank you. You have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My friends, those are the words of a desperate man. Those are the words of a man who desperately understood his need for God in his life. My brothers and sisters, may we be as desperate in our relationship with God as David was. May we be desperate for a God who is not only better than life, but brings new life. I want you just to close your eyes right now. And as this next song is playing, I want you to desperately cry out to God. I'm, I'm going to do some praying for us as well. But this is you can stand up. You can raise your hands. You can come down to the altar. Whatever God's moving you to do right now. Wow. Yes. Heavenly Father, wow. we come to you right now. And we're desperate for you. God, we're desperate for your grace. We're desperate for your love. We're desperate for your goodness in our life. Father, we're ready for the new life that you have for us. And God, we're ready to push past those obstacles that get in our way. And God, we're so ready to let you stretch our comfort zones so that we can be more like you, and we can do more for you in your kingdom. God, right now we're just crying out with all of our heart because we are so desperate for you. We're desperate for your grace. We're desperate for your healing. We're desperate, Father, for everything that you have to give us. Father, we don't want to live life without you. You literally provide us every breath. And for that, we are so grateful and so thankful. In the name of Jesus, we cry out in our desperation. I want you to just, every eye closed and every head still bowed. If today is your day to make a desperate decision, Today's the day you're ready to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life and have the same new life as this man on the mat that we read about. If that's your day today, would you just repeat this simple, heartfelt prayer? And I invite everybody, even if you already have Jesus in your life, even if you already made that decision maybe days or weeks or years ago, will you just join in it right now just as a reminder for yourself but also in support of anyone that may be doing that for the first time today. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to wash me clean. Come into my heart I make you the Lord and Savior of my life in Jesus' mighty name.